Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new season of Shuttlepod at the Disco. That's right, Discovery is back on the air, and so the Shuttlepod is now all about weekly recaps of the Discovery episodes uh, right after they air. This is season two, episode one, which we are calling Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Aha. Mm hmm. I am Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined today by my co host, Jared Whitley. Good evening, Kayla, and to you, the, our listening public, good whenever it is. <laughs> and Brian Drew. Hello, everybody. And Matt Wright. Hey, guys. Today is Monday, January 21st, 2019, uh, and we are doing our recap today of the first episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Brother, which debuted Thursday, January 17th. Uh, it was written by Ted Sullivan, Gretchen J. Berg, and Aaron Harberts and directed by Alex Kurtzman. So, first of all, you guys, new season, new discovery, new captain, um, new director, new person at the helm of the franchise as well. Um, what do you guys, what were your general reactions to the episode? Positive. I liked it more than I thought I would. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was quite enjoyable. Yep. Action-packed. Yep, definitely a, a more lighthearted Star Trek discovery. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Like, I felt I was watching it and I was, you know, trying to be uh, half of my brain was trying to be critical of it and the other half was trying to be very forgiving of it, you know? And I, but I felt like I actually didn't have that much work to do. I was just oh, good. kind of happy to be along for the ride. And even though it kind of felt like an action movie, I felt like the action was motivated. So it, well, I, I didn't think it was too much. I thought it was the right amount. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So yeah, probably the biggest probably the biggest thing that's changed about this season uh, is front and center uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Um, so we have a new captain. We're watching this this show where the the uh, crew of the Discovery have to adjust to a new captain after feeling sort of deserted uh, and betrayed by their old captain. Uh, I thought they played that really nicely. But what about Captain the captain himself? Um, what did you guys think of of Anson in the role of Captain Pike, uh, Matt? Well, as we've known, he's an incredibly handsome, likable fellow because mm. everything we've ever seen with him, like about this at Search Like Las Vegas and like various interviews and stuff, he's into it. He's he's down for this like role. He's really into it. He likes it. And it shows like he's really like this new captain that's very, you know, nice and congenial and like, but also, you know, sort of inspires with his leadership, all the things that you would want in a Starfleet captain. I, part I particularly liked uh, I liked how he did the roll call to make sure that everybody we all knew the characters names of the, some of the minor uh, bridge crew yeah. and I yeah, liked well. I, I, I also particularly liked when he said it's okay for you to question me but you have to give me an alternative I thought like wow that's that's good leadership right there that, that's way of saying I'm open minded but you can't mm -hmm. just say no yeah I like Pike I, I you know I, I like the way Anson Mount plays him he's Got you know he's got that certain amount of you know self confidence that every starship captain should have. Our uh, our editor in chief Tony put it best though. He said that this new commander of the USS Discovery is like someone grown in a Starfleet lab designed to create ideal <laughs> captains with just the right mix of confidence, competence, and charm. And yeah. it's so true because that's <laughs> exactly I love what, that. That's, it, it, it's so true. He he totally nails it with that. And by the way, we highly recommend you read Tony's review of the it's, premiere. It's terrific. It's really it's good. It's really, really good. Uh, so the best thing I heard said about 
Captain Pike is he's like the love child between Captain Kirk and Mitt Romney. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can oh, totally yeah. see that. There's a, there's a certain there's a resemblance truth to that. To yeah. <laughs> oh, he could tell. Oh, Anson Mount could totally he could play, play Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. He's oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I can't unknow that now. I'm gonna see. Right? I'm just gonna see Mitt Romney every time I watch this now. <laughs> Captain Romney. Oh boy. Um, but I did enjoy his portrayal very much. Yeah, me he too. He definitely he lifts. He kind of. Single-handedly lifts the tone of the show. Oh. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he adds an enormous amount. Which which actually, I'm glad you said that because I kind of want to to posit a question: Is Star Trek capable of making a show not about the captain? Right, because Michael is essentially the protagonist, but Lorca was driving the action in the first one, and it seems like Pike's gonna drive the action in the second season. So yeah, what, well, what, what do we this is always that? their challenge. They always have a challenge with this. Mm. We've discussed this back with season one. Yeah. But it's, real, it's really hard not to, right? Because everyone yeah. wants to gravitate towards the leader, right? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, we, 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 when we were discussing Discovery before it went on the air, we figured that people would gravitate toward Lorca. And that's exactly what it's, happened. And that's what happened. Yeah. Now a lot of people did gravitate towards Burnham, but I would say it's a pretty fifty-fifty split depending mm. on who you are oh. and what you like. Oh, so. there were, there was a poll on Reddit a few weeks ago that said who's your uh, favorite character in Discovery, and Michael Burnham was tied for fifth place with Admiral uh, Cornwall. Mm. And and that's that's kind of a damning appraisal. And number one, it was it was um, Saru and Lorca were tied for first place. Yeah, not surprised. Yeah, well, um, I think Saru is probably the, the most popular character currently on the show. Sure. Right. So, this what your premise sort of leads into a thing about Burnham, um, but I don't know if we want to go there yet. But they did try in this episode to make sure that you got the idea that she was the lead character of this episode. Yeah, it, it's mm. it's just tough to make someone be the hero who's not also in charge, which is one of the problems why Starfleet admirals like tend to be evil is you can't have <laughs> your hero just being told what to do right or 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 in tos it was commodores that were mostly incompetent yeah that's what you mostly end up with. but yeah oh, the same or thing suicidal. yeah and, and or some, suicidal yeah <laughs> something they did really well in uh, next generation is they'd have admirals say things like uh well jean luc i'm not on the front line and you are so i'll go with whatever you decide right that's like the kind of thing that an administrator would say yeah because they're pencil pushers and yeah yeah sure yeah. sure he's not on the front line and so that's that's a way of acknowledging the chain of command uh, and that you know the captain of a starfleet vessel is not like han solo off just doing whatever he wants um but it's it, i think it's a struggle it's it's uh something that will be difficult for them to um navigate it is. It's it's always going to be hard, honestly, for them. It's always yep. going to be tough. Until they finally make Burnham captain, whenever that is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, ser that series finale, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So uh, here's a question. You know, we know somewhat about Pike, having seen him from the original series. Um, so we know, like, where he is in that time period. Um, mm -hmm. You know, almost a decade in the future of where we're at now in Discovery. Are, do, you, do we think that the Discovery writers are going to try to build him towards that point? Like make the bridge to, to leave him closer to where he is when we see him 10 years later? Do, do well, mean, 10 years later, he's crippled, so I'm yeah, confused. Yeah, he's in the yeah. chair. Yeah. So, so what do you mean? 
the cage was three years prior to let, let's just let's just clarify the timeline for folks listening to because people kind of get confused about it and yeah. i understand well i mean it. It do we actually sense. know how much time has passed since the beginning yeah, of three, discovery yeah this the season two is in 2257 okay. which has been a year like a solid year from the beginning of, so six of the years war. And then the the cage happened three years prior to that. It happened in twenty two fifty four. Fifty four, right? Yeah. So 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 Pike's experience with with the Telosians is fairly recent, really. He's he's only had like three years to sort of recover from it, right. <clears throat> whatever happened to him. Which is, of course, why I think they they saw that. You know, the writers of Discovery saw that and went, "Oh, well, maybe the Telosians can somehow still haunt him a little," because we know somehow they get reinvolved. They're somewhere in this season in the mix somehow. That's all they'll tell us, but we know they're in play somewhere. So that goes back to something I wanted to bring up, which is that <clears throat> Tony's, you know, kind of amusing tongue-in-cheek thing about grown in a Starfleet lab is sort of true from this first episode, right? Pike seems pretty infallible and pretty, you know, <clears throat> pretty whatever. He pretty, you know, there's no real edge to him, except for a split second. You see an edge to him when he gets fed up with Burnham and you counter, like, you know, uh, going against what he said until she says, well, I was going to give you another option, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to give you a solution, but he snaps at her. So there's a tiny little edge and you can see the entire bridge crew, by the way, jump for a second because mm-hmm. they all have like PTSD from Lorca. Right. Oh, okay. they, um, anyway, so apparently though, Pike, you know, Pike is not perfect. Perfect. Um, we see that there's that little hint of it, even where he talks about, being forced to sit out, you know, they were on their five-year mission way somewhere else, the other side of the galaxy. And so they weren't involved in the Klingon war. And there's a lot of regret when he talks about it. And so apparently we'll actually see that hmm. start to play out more and more. Like, like Pike will sort of have an edge. Yeah. Pike will start to have more of an edge about those things. They'll start to come out a little more, which is nice because really all we know of Pike is he was really burned out three years ago, right before his, Talos four stuff and then you somehow come back to being quite the heroic captain in brother and you know where's that that can't be like you know there's got to be something to it all of this you can't have swung completely to like perfection right sure. it just doesn't make doesn't sure. isn't realistic so anyway we'll see yeah it's important to remember too that like yeah they have to give him some way to differentiate him from say Kirk because Christopher Pike is a prototype of Captain Kirk. Right. Sure. Right. That's a good you point. Know? So it is definitely best to give him something that differentiates him from, from Jim Kirk. Yeah. I also like what the way Anson Mount talks about his character, where he says, like, we know what the first act and the third act of Pike are, because, of course, like, the first act is, like, what we know from the cage, and the third act is, like, what we know from the menagerie, where he eventually ends up on a training cruise and, you know, crippled. And so he said, I, you know, I really want to flesh out this second act of this character. Right. So I hope he does. Like, I hope that's true. You know? Right. And, and just to be clear in the, in the way the timeline is in the prime timeline plays out, we are not going to see at the end of the season. We are not going to see. him. No, no. I actually am getting really, really tired of people saying that like, oh, maybe it'll lead to him being in a wheelchair. Like, no. no yeah. There was an yeah. article, I think, today in sci-fi or something that was talking like, about that. No, like, no. He, he gets crippled. He gets crippled After Kirk like, takes in the first of the season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of, of the original series. Like, Kirk doesn't take him in the Enterprise for another whatever. What is it? He, 2265 is when he takes command. This is 2257, people. That he, this is, he's not going to end up that way. 
right at the end right. of the so year. So you're not going to be seeing Christopher Pike in a wheelchair at the end, no. or you know, being suffering some horrific injury. No, Matt, I think you, I think you need to uh, write an article with that as the headline. No, he's he's not <laughs> no, going to end won't. up in a wheelchair. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that that messes with people is in Star Trek 2009, they essentially accelerated events, like they kind of collapsed and condensed things to play with that timeline. And of course, at the end of 09, he does end up in a wheelchair. But that's a totally different sequence of events. That's not, you right. know what I mean? It's also they a very pl- different injury. Right. It's for a different reason. And it's for, but again, people just go, oh yeah, Pike, he ended up in a wheelchair. He has to be in right. a wheelchair or he's not Pike. Right. Just like yeah. Captain Picard has to be bald or he's not Captain Picard. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yes. Yes. Very true. But, but mm. in the menagerie, Kirk says it very clearly. He goes, I took over the Enterprise from him. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So there's and then no they, one, no one know, in between. Kirk had not heard about the injury to Pike, and Commodore Mendez explains what happened. Right. So what that happened. injury right, must right, have been right, very right. recent. Must have yeah. been very recent, which means it happened sometime in the first season of the original series, or right before is, it. Yeah, or, or like right before. Recent. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's years from now. Is moral of the story. I, I I've also heard maybe, and you guys were the ones who introduced it to me that of the five year mission, like what we see in the original series is the second, third, and fourth year. And so that Kirk had been in charge for like a year ahead of time. Is that is that true? Or no, maybe, maybe you could make that argument only because you like you could see like where No Man Has Gone Before might be sort of in the middle of the first year somewhere. Sure. And obviously, yeah. there's a time jump to like the court, you know, the first episodes of the first season because you know it got refit again a little bit and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So you could make those arguments, but no, no, no one has actually officially said that. No. That's kind of headcanon for a lot of people, though. Yeah, yeah. There's never been anything that clearly spelled it out. No. So before we do move on from Pike, what do you guys think about the fortune cookie paper? Oh, the fortune cookie. Yes, indeed. Which said not every cage is a prison, nor every Mm -hmm. loss eternal. Yeah, I, I yeah, that was a little on the nose. Do you think that was just? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that was just a nod to be like, hey, the cage. That I think, yeah, I think or, that's exactly what that was. You don't think it's I, actually going to come back? They're not going to like, that's not going to come back around? Well, it is in the sense that we well, yeah, know the Telosians are going to show them. back yeah. up. Oh, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Oh, wow, I didn't realize and, that. And then uh, the other thing is the Nor Every Lost Eternal, you can see is a little wink and a nod to the fact that we think, we know Culber will somehow return to Stamets this season as oh, well. To, to the oh. point where they, I think yeah. it wasn't. It, um, they put him in the opening credits. They put Wilson right. Cruz's name. Yeah, right? Wilson Correct. Cruz. And actually, Cruz said last year he was supposed to be in, in season one. He, If he had not had the commitment to 13 Reasons Why for Netflix, he would have been uh, listed in the opening credits, too. He would have been like an actual cast member, not just recurring. Oh, interesting. So, mm-hmm. so he was always sort of supposed to be there, apparently. So take that yeah, what so, you will. But yeah. So as we like, know, as we know, Discovery's foreshadowing is not subtle. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so I think we just got two bits of foreshadowing in that one little scrap of paper. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of fine with that. That's not. I mean, for I think for the casual viewer, that's subtle enough to be honest. Yeah, I I, I think so, especially when we're talking about the first the, the setup. This is setting up everything for the season. And they could, you know, if I didn't know that 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 we were gonna see the Chilosians at some point, I would have just been like, oh, it's a nod to the cage, right? You know. So speaking of the fortune cookie being on the nose, something that I loved where I could feel they were definitely talking to the audience is when we meet the Tignataro character and she expresses joy that, quote, no one is speaking Klingon, unquote. Because, of course, <laughs> that was a big criticism <laughs> yeah. of yeah. the first season. Yeah. 
I think they did. Yeah. That was a little <laughs> nod. Yeah, that was cool. She was great in this. On that note, yeah, I love Jet Reno. Is her name? Well, that's she's a, great. That's Does a weird name. Does anyone else hear Janet Reno? Yes. 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 Oh yeah, yep. I think that's it was supposedly purposeful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I can kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I'm funny. not sure why though. Me neither, but okay. Yeah, I don't know why either, but I think it was, yeah. I, I can't goes. not be, right? So she was originally going to be Denise Reno, and then and then they let Tig pick her first name. Oh. Like, oh. Sign it. Interesting. <laughs> so I don't really know what, you know, I don't know really what motivated it, but when announced, it was Denise Reno, and then along the way, they were like, hey, Tig, just pick a, pick a first name, like ad-lib one or whatever. Go for it. And so she did. Cool. Yeah, I, th- so I thought Tig was cool. I thought she was like, um, oh well, gosh, I don't know the right idiom to use, but it was she was like a really different character than we've seen before. As you know, the Tig, the the comedian Tig Notaro, I felt like her personality came through quite a bit, which yeah, is like yeah, not your typical totally. Starfleet officer. Yeah, um, and it, I thought it was great. I thought it worked really well, and I, I already yeah. liked Tig Notaro Sup- so I'm a bit. Yeah, biased. super great. No, super great. It's just super awesome. Like the right kind of like dry. Uh, humor that you would that we actually kind of expect maybe of an engineer in a way yeah you know, a little scotty yeah. thrown in a little bit of this a little bit of that you know a little little war weary a little you know whatever it's pretty great i enjoyed all of it and i liked of course that she's one of those another in the long line of starfleet sort of genius engineers that can scrap together those little drone robots and all this other stuff i I, I liked pretty when, cool. when they said, are you a doctor too? And she said, no, I'm an engineer and I can read. I thought that was a good line. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. great. She's like, no, I just cracked open a medical textbook. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. Awesome. She's much more of an original series character in many ways. Very, mm. very much so, which is the right feel. Of, like, yes. You know, yeah. That's the feel yeah, you want. Is. I, like, thought, cool. I have to admit, I thought it was goofy when she said some line about, oh, the human body is just another kind of machine. It's like, well, just you could have left that part out because that's clearly... There's cl- there's clearly no overlap. There's just not. No. Yeah. No. There's not yeah, an overlap between much. surgery and engineering. Yeah. There's not. Agreed. No. I think it. Yeah. Th- yeah. That might have been too much. But but then you figure like it's mostly about the me- the mechanized things that keep people alive, right? Like the various machines sure, that she's sure. already. But, so she just you know. But her saying shit like work. basically like you said, I cracked open a book and and I read it and I followed the instructions. That that was that funnier. I liked that better. Right. That's much mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Agreed. Much better. You also have to assume that Starfleet's Wikipedia is probably pretty good. So <laughs> you yeah. hope so. Memory right? Alpha <laughs> tapped into that. Yeah. yeah, the real memory. Alpha. The real memory. Yes, alpha. the real memory alpha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why don't we actually dive in and talk about the meat of the episode itself? We've kind of gone gone over the characters a bit. Um, let's see. At, at over sixty-one minutes, it's the longest single episode of the franchise. That's a fun fact. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and in that 61 minutes, a lot of stuff happened. So, you know, you got, one of you guys want to take this and run with it a bit? What did you think of, like, the actual stuff that happened in the episode? I enjoyed the action sequence the where they have the little shuttles. It kind of reminded me of that scene in Into Darkness where Kirk and, and um, the Benedict Cumberbatch character, like, do that kind of uh, um, base jumping type of thing f- through space where they're, like, floating between the mm-hmm. different asteroids. And Which is, of course, essentially a rehashing of the same base jumping done in Star Trek. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is what made. Which is what I thought of the the whole time Me I too. watched this. Not in a ba- Not in a bad way, really. Mm-hmm. But just like, a, oh, this feels a lot like Star Trek 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And when it, you figure like uh-huh. Kurtzman's involved in directing yeah. it, sure. You know, it's like, hmm, yeah. 
You can see it. They, and my favorite spot in that sequence is when there's like the little crack in Kirk's uh, uh, face shield, and it's just slowly oh, cracking. Yep. And that's one of those things. The same where, thing happens. Same here. thing happens here. And it's like you know yeah. they're not going to kill the main characters, but it's a sign of good direction when you can trick the audience into still feeling a sense of danger. And mm-hmm. and so yes, I thought that yes. was executed really well. So I, it was. I, yeah. I um speaking of direction, I thought that this episode was really well directed. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really Definitely. gorgeous all around. Yeah. The yeah. the um I thought. Like I said earlier, I think I I think the action scenes were well motivated. They were interesting. They weren't just like oh, people punching each other and guns and explosions. Like it felt like I was interested in the action. I cared about what was going to happen. Um, I thought that the dialogue was very well written, and I thought a lot of the scenes between characters where they were just talking to each other were great. So like to me, that's good writing, good direction, good acting coming together. So like particularly the scenes between Burnham and Sarek. I thought were just particularly good. I remember like they would say their final line and, you know, leave the room or whatever, go into the next scene. And I would find myself being like, huh, that was a great scene. Like that was great. So there were definitely a few moments like that, that I was just like, wow, this is like, it felt like a well-oiled machine more than I, than I think it has in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting though that it's well oiled and it's written by people who are no longer on the show. So we'll yeah, we'll see what that happens. Elephant in the room, is there? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you know Gretchen and Aaron are long gone at this point. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens when their their writing influence kind of peters out like mid season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to see where this goes, but that's not yet. So we're not there yet. Yeah, I guess my we'll my real like feeling at the end of the episode was like all the that I just said like oh well that was really great I enjoyed it I'm optimistic and then I went hmm. But the showrunners exited halfway through the season, so yes. they're still I'm weary about that. Mm-hmm. The, and so I think this uh, this episode too did a good job, like not getting into some of the stuff that we're also worried about. Quite frankly, like mm-hmm. we're, we're like we're worried about like what the Red Angel is supposed to be, right? We're way more worried about that stuff, like if it's going to get bogged down in, you know, I don't know, weird, overly weird, like explorations of the you know the science versus faith thing we didn't even get there in this episode because this is a setup for the rest of yeah season. it's very much yeah. a setup but they're telegraphing so it's good because like the first they're... thing that pike says when he gets on the ship is to quote the bible right when he says thou shalt not yeah. covet thy neighbor's starship so oh yeah they're they're, they're... they're not subtle about that either yeah amanda blesses michael when she comes in sure. in the flashback and, and, and things yeah, like that, that. Was a little weird and, and the first it thing tig yeah. says is the name of christ Right. Yeah. So it's she like does. Yep. they're they're keying it up, and I'm a little cautious of it because I don't think they can execute it well. I, I yes, I think we're all concerned about yeah. how they would execute yeah. that. And we, it's interesting too, because um, like I feel like we have perspectives from both sides of that on this podcast. So it'd be you know you know what I mean from the science and the faith thing. So y- yeah, if, sure. if you're going to use religious imagery, you have to do it for a reason, not just to try to make yourself sound more important. But we'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as we see more about what... what <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. We, we've seen so very little of it. It's very hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's the entire on. episode is set up. That's all it is. There's no, like, there's no right. real mo- movement in, in the main right. plot or anything right. like that. This is essentially a reintroduction to everyone. Yeah. Right. If, if we can use the term, which people will take controversially, perhaps a little bit of a soft reboot on the yes. Discovery. Yeah, oh, it's definitely... Yeah. yeah. Re re so. re reboot. 
they even warmed up the color palette of the show. I mean, oh, I'm so glad. Everything about it's, it has that changed. That goes back to the to the style of it. Thank God they got rid of. They stopped using you know uh, the Cold color blue. grading. The Cold color grading blue. is finally yeah. less yeah, steely less blue. Gray, yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, it's so much better. Okay, here's a question though. They introduce the new uniforms and then they immediately take them off. Yeah. Well, yeah, because remember that's only for the top of the line ships. But what was the point? Oh, totally. To, just to fuck, to make honestly, you feel to fuck with people. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the feels, yeah. That's it's it. The, it's the feels. It That's all it is. So they can put pictures of them in their costumes yeah. and marketing on the internet. Marketing, right. Yeah. Do you know how many photos? Yeah, so poor Anson Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. And, and, Do you know how many photos of Anson Mountain that uniform he has? I mean, he probably spent longer <laughs> that uniform doing photo shoots than he did for the actual yeah, show. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing well said, the man. majority of the publicity images that are out there for this second season of Star Trek Discovery are almost all Anson Mountain. They are. Uniform. They are. If you if you go if you go look, almost every almost every advert like billboard thing that they've put up in major markets and stuff, it's Anson Mountain, a gold uniform. Well, if that's what they think people are going to like, why don't they have him keep wearing the uniform Be- and make everyone well, else wear them too? Well, because you, you want the real world answer? They spent a shit ton a of money making, ton of money on making the Discovery uniforms. uniforms. They're and not going to abandon uniforms them. Discovery uniforms with three-way stretch or whatever? Yes, 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 yes. All of that, so they're not going to abandon and Swedish, them. Swedish? Swedish? Finnish? Fabric? Swiss. Swiss. Swiss, yeah. yeah. We have to assume at some point that they all will end up in those uniforms because they have to. Yeah, I agree. Sure, but I but agree. that but again, like that's the series finale. Boom, they switch uniforms. That's it. Disco's done. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't need to do that anytime soon. They won't. Right, I guarantee right. you, they won't do. Yeah, it. So unless those uniforms start developing wear and tear, in which case they might just switch over. Mm. Who knows? They might. But they have three-way stretch, Brian. But they're fancy, yeah, exactly. That's they're true. fancy Swiss fabric. Come on, like. fancy stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, if for people who like don't get it, it's like, look, you want to know how much these these uniforms are not going to be around? Pike changes at the end of the very first episode in yeah. a standard disco uniform. I'm sorry to tell you, people, those uniforms are not really going to be around. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Kay. Sorry, everybody. All right, so uh, another uh, big thing that everyone is thinking about, Spock. Mm. Spock. So we got to see little Spock mm-hmm. in a flashback. Mm-hmm. We do. And I would have been, frankly, happy with that. Yes, I think we could have left it there. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> now, I don't know. The whole Ethan... season is about Spock. Adult. Yeah, we'll find yeah, out. Exactly. Ethan Peck seems like, you know, a dedicated guy who will do a good job. Now, we'll see what that really looks like, but. You know, whatever. We'll see. Yeah, and I have something to say in relation to Sarek and Burnham's discussion where Burnham asks him why she he basically bought Michael into the family. What, yes, what, this is interesting. What did he expect her to bring? Mm-hmm. And he said, I wanted you to teach him empathy. Mm-hmm so that he would be able to interact with humans. And mm. I thought that was a very odd thing to say. Yeah. It is very odd. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, especially since Spock lives on Vulcan. And Sarek's hopes and dreams for him are to go Sarek's on the hopes Vulcan and dreams science are for him to stay in the Vulcan Science Academy. So yeah. I don't understand where this desire to make him be more empathetic with humans is coming from. I mean, Sarek, when we meet him in Journey to Babel, is kind of a snotty-ass Vulcan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Humans are, yeah. Humans yeah. are you know beneath them and starfleet is beneath him yes absolutely yeah so that answer didn't really ring true to me no Mm. they're not honestly they are not doing a great job with this art character yeah they don't know how to write him at all i like i like him as a character in a vacuum you know what i mean but tied to sarek 
he's like all over the map. This version of Sarek is all over the he map, is. trying to connect him to. They had him all know. over, yeah. yeah, 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 all over the place. But yeah. it's it's hard though because I really do actually like. Like I said, I like the character. If you don't, if he's not Sarek, you know what I mean? Yes. I know that's yeah. that's not how it is. <laughs> in, but... in isolation, yeah. yes, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But no, that's a good point, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense based on what we know about Sark and Spock. Jared, this is a good way, good time for you to re- yes, bring up I, your. I, I have a. I have, so I think um, a lot of people have seen Michael Burnham as perhaps a weak link in, in, in the show. And I mentioned earlier that there was that poll on Reddit about her coming, tying for fifth place as the most popular character on the show, which I think is a bad sign. And even though there were only like 200 people who took the the, te- the poll, but I think that's representative of a lot of people's feelings. And I think one of the problems with Michael isn't just Michael. I think it's that the show kind of lacks a core dynamic of characters. Like if you have a really well-written protagonist and then an ensemble cast, I think you can make that work. But uh, I, I had, a, as I was watching this, I think there's a couple, there's two models of genre fiction writing that the 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 producers could go with and they're, they're not really doing either because they're kind of all over the place and and so this is kind of my my prescription so one of the models that that you'll see in a lot of fiction is if you have like a trio of characters that the show mm-hmm. is about and typically what will happen there is they get divided into like the freudian construct of the psyche of one of the characters is the id one of the characters is a super ego and one of the characters is the is the ego who kind of goes between the two of them so like a good ex- mm-hmm. a good example in recent fiction is the Harry Potter universe, right? Where Hermione is the smart one, she's the ethical one, she's the super ego. Ron is more like has practical knowledge, he speaks his mind, he's like the id and Harry is between the two. Or like the three main ghostbusters, you Peter is the is the id, Egon is the super ego and Ray is the ego, right? The best example is Kirk, Spock and McCoy, right? Where of course. Kirk yeah. is very yeah. passionate and very driven. Spock is very logical and very ethical, and McCoy is both kind of scientific and kind of passionate in his own human ways. So that so that's the model they have there. Uh, that's also incidentally what they did with Star Trek Enterprise, except I think they kind of switched to Kirk and McCoy in the roles for Archer and Trip. So you could try to do that of making the show about like three main characters and focus on that, and and have sort of the uh, uh, the rest of the crew in the background. Uh, but I, I think a better model is like the four-man band where instead of making it about three characters, you make it about four characters. And the way this has, works when you see it, and you see it all over the place, whether it's like Seinfeld or the Fantastic Four or Sex in the City, is each character is assigned basically one of the four personality archetypes that have been around since like the four humors. And we still see in personality tests like the Myers-Briggs. And with this, you have one character who's very ambitious, who's basically the leader, one character who's basically the smart one, who's very thoughtful. You have another character who's very emotional, and then a final character who's like the fun one, right? And having that dynamic of those four very easily identifiable, four kind of simplified personalities uh, is really works, right? And this kind of is de facto what they ended up doing, I think without realizing it for Next Generation, where if you look at the four principal characters that the show is really about, Picard is the leader, Data is the smart one, Worf is the emotional one, and Riker is the fun one. Everybody else is there, and they're important in their own way, but it's really about those four. And and the, the and I might get a laugh from this, but the best implementation of this four-man band is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? 
where you have <laughs> yeah. Le- Leo is the leader, Donna is the smart one, Raphael is very emotional, which is why he was so popular in the 90s, and then, of course, the fun one is Michelangelo. So what, what they need to do is, is sit down and see who are our four characters and which Ninja Turtle are they, right? <laughs> un- I like it. Un- unfortunately, like it. they have a ship full of Donatellos, right? Because Burnham, Stamets, and Seru are all like the thoughtful, reserved ones, right? And and, yeah. and if you if you look at like Pike in the cage, he's very thoughtful and reserved, and so is Number One, right? Um, yep. So they they can't do that because I'm going to be honest, Donatello is the most boring of the four turtles, right? So <laughs> so they they need they need to like make. Pike, Leonardo, and they need to make uh, uh, Tilly the Michelangelo because she's so lovable and she's got so many great lines. And then figure out who gets to be the Donatello. And then they need to have one character who's a little more passionate, right? And maybe like that could be Stamets if he if he changes a little bit. But I really think they, they need to do something like that so there's a core dynamic in the show that Burnham can work within. Right, and maybe you guys disagree, and I didn't mean to like take up so much time of the podcast, but I really think they need to do something like like one of these two different models of the the trio or the four man band. So I don't know, I don't know what you think about that, and how, what reactions you have to that. Uh, you made a very strong argument, Jared. Oh, thank you, thank you. I've been I've been thinking about it for a while. It kind of hit me while I was watching the episode. Like this is what's missing is it's not just that there are some shortcomings with our protagonists. It's that we need a a a, 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 a central like choir. Now, I, I'm going to say, I think one of the problems with Voyager is they didn't do this either, but then one of the advantages with Deep Space Nine, and this is where I'm going to show my partisanship, is it's so well written they didn't really need to, right? They could just have Cisco as a protagonist and then a deep bench of supporting characters. But for this, they, they need to do one of those things. Yeah, especially if they're not going to have... I think that goes back to the whole, they can't pick a captain because it's not really supposed to be the captain show so then how is that person ever in this de- you know, dynamic of three or four exactly right exactly yeah 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 it's it, it you make some interesting points there jared oh thank you thank you yeah it, it's i'm still struggling to understand the role of michael burnham i don't understand how she fits into everything sure yeah. I think they're still trying to figure it out. To be honest, I think they, yeah, I think they are too. Well, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they figured it out in the second season. You know, we we just won't That's know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we don't know. Yep, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> it's really hard to tell from this very first episode, especially because everything is so you know serialized and is going to take another 13 episodes to unfold. So we just mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And you know who Jared brought up that we haven't talked about yet? I can't believe it. Tilly. Yeah. Yay, Tilly. Everyone's favorite. I mean, I know you're saying Saru is a favorite, but oh my gosh, I think Tilly is she's great. Tilly is number one. I thought heart. she was terrific in this, and I loved her line. Maybe it's good haunted. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. that was cute. I I want I want someone as sweet to tell me about that when something like that when I'm spilling my guts out. I know, me too. She's and I like Stamets. He maybe should be a little crustier, but you know, because he kind of warmed up and he's kind of gone back and forth. But I do like his line where he's like, "Look, you know." you're incandescent, you know, and like, you're going to be a great captain because of the kind of love you show everyone, which is really nice. Cause like Stamets doesn't say that shit to anyone. Right. Sure. Like he doesn't say stuff like that to anyone. Yeah, no, he's a jerk. Well, right. I mean, that's a his role. jerk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I do like, then he's like, yeah, but you need to repeat after me. Like I will say less thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was all, it was really good. Like it was fun, you know, Until, Tilly being Tilly, Tilly, you know, like, Losing your shit over Captain Pike. 
over Ansel. Oh, Mount. that was that oh, was yeah, that's right. That yeah, was cute. That was that fun. was really cute. complimenting uh, his nail beds. Everyone, his uh-huh. nail beds. That's that's one of the scenes that I think they maybe tried a little too hard on, but it was mostly fun. You know, agreed. Like but, too I, hard here uh, but I love Tilly so much that I loved it anyway. Yeah. No, yeah. that was oh. that was nice. That was yes. nice. And Mary Wiseman can pull it all off. So yeah, exactly. there you go. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. One aspect I think that I think was picked up on fairly universally is like kind of lame and and a trope and negative was the role of Connolly, oh, the good science heavens. officer, good heavens. who basically everyone yeah. took one look at and went that that's the that's the guy that's going to die this episode. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah, that was oh yeah, so it was clear. so obvious. It was so it was obvious. So obvious. Because, because, I mean, when he was going to die, I was like, "You are about to die in three, yeah, two, and one, and now." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he materializes on the pad and is a jerk basically from the get go, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, you're dead, and it's and it's and it's an action movie. It's an action movie cliche, like it really time, is big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but I do think like that was a little over the top, perhaps. Like, it, yeah, because, that was way too much. Because we shouldn't. We're not supposed to be. Uh, uh, we talked about this a bit too. Like, and Tony hit on this in his review, which is like, we really shouldn't be happy when someone dies in Star Trek, right? You're not yes. actually supposed to be like, oh, they totally deserve that. Yeah. You're yeah, supposed to have mixed feelings to about die. it. Yeah. And nobody seems to give a shit when he dies. Oh, that's what either. I was going right, to say. Yeah, right. no one even mentions it. Now everyone's like, oh, fuck that guy. Let's move on. Like, I'm sorry <laughs> right? you lost an officer yeah. today, Captain Pike. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. The one thing I did like is they have um, him and then the, the security lady, the Barzan, which was a nice piece of continuity. Non. And I like how he tells yeah, her, you'll have to take off your red shirt, right? And so I did like that they play, they, yep. they, they, they're tongue in cheek about the That's red fun. shirting and they red shirted somebody else. So speaking of red things, how about that Good. red angel? Great, great segue, Kayla. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we Burnham sees that red angel maybe sort of in her moment of like, terribleness with the shard of rock in her leg right thinking she's left behind yeah ooh, ooh, even cool we didn't we didn't even actually i was gonna say we didn't even learn that much about the red angel so honestly there's not that no. much to say but that rock that she tries to pick up um yes and then yeah it gets beamed away and the rock doesn't beam oh yeah that's right that was so cool and as a geologist like the rock looked awesome yeah like, they it made, did. It, they it, made it look really like cool. a real Amazing. crystal like, I think it was probably plastic, and they made it, like, you know, as a prop, but it looked awesome. It, it looked genuine. It looked it genuinely looked really geologic, yeah. so yeah. Yep. thumbs up. So good for good, them. Good job, prop team, on that one. <laughs> Call me nice. if you need any more advice. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, Kayla can talk to you about rocks. I'll talk to you about uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we will charge a collective <laughs> consulting fee of $2.5 million. <laughs> <laughs> So the Red Angel, of course, we find out leads sort of back to Spock. Because remember, everything, all roads lead back to Spock, apparently. Of course they do. Um, that he has been seeing these things, because that's what Burnham figures out at the end of the episode. And, you know, okay, I guess we'll find out where that goes. But back to so but back to baby Spock for a second. Part, part, of, part of what bothers me, this really sort of started to bother me a little bit, is... They make Spock off... I mean, it's very hard to say because we barely see him, right? But he seems to be a very maladjusted child, the way he behaves. He does not seem good. Like, he's clearly haunted by something, right? And then we turn out... It turns out he is. Like, those little holographic drawings are him working through, like, traumatic things, apparently. Like, nightmares that he's had. Um, 
so yeah i'm I, I don't know it's really concerning they spock has always of course had a troubled childhood right like we know he was bullied and all that sure. kind of stuff thanks to yesteryear and then and, and 2009, 2009 yeah picks up on it right um but this one makes him look like he's got some serious like tr- emotional troubles or something i don't know the way they i just we'll see what they do with it but i just it doesn't seem good. Like, it seems like they made him, took him pretty far, you know? Well, you kind of thought that they were portraying him as being on the spectrum. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, that's the other thing is, is yeah, he, he almost a little, a little bit on the spectrum, you know, the autistic spectrum there is it was like, oh, okay. That's not really like supposed to be, Spock isn't supposed to be like that though. You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe I, I guess like know. Spock is probably not neurotypical. Uh, no, he he definitely would not be considering he's half human and half Vulcan. Yeah. So who who knows, right? Like what would be okay for him, normal for him. So we'll see. I just it just I don't know. It just seemed like wow, they took him to like a really kind of almost damaged place. Mm. You know, this this kid is really damaged somehow. So we'll see. Maybe it's not going to look like that forever. But yes, yeah, like I said, like I was saying earlier, it's this whole episode is pretty much all set up so it's really hard to get a read on a lot of things yet it is yeah all of this is just set up yeah and while while the episode was a real i thought like a really nice re re reintroduction and set up to to the rest of the um season um there were a number of things we didn't see that people are right. like excited to see right um although i think laurel was mentioned by name she was mentioned yep um, we haven't heard what happens to Giorgio yet. Nope. Um, we know that number one is coming. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, what else? Is there any other things that, that we haven't gotten to see yet? I mean, I guess, um, Culber, you know, there's something going to happen with Culber. Yeah. Culber. That hasn't yeah. come yep. back yet. Yep. And we'll have to be patient. Like, remember, this is long form, you know, serialized stuff. So... I don't think we get to, I think a lot of people were hoping like, yeah, the enterprise is there. Like we'll see all this stuff up front. And it's like, no, the whole point is the name of the show is discovery. Remember? And like, um, the show owners have even said, yeah, the enterprise is like kind of pops in and out, but like, that's not the emphasis of the show. So like, I think people were, you know, hoping you'd even see like the enterprise bridge or something like, no, 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 they can't they, no. right and, and you'll note that they got they got around that whole thing like burnham doesn't even transport over to the enterprise she doesn't even walk down a corridor they do a jump cut to her right outside of spock's oh, quarters on right the enterprise. Yeah. they're trying very hard not to get into like the whole what does the enterprise look like because it doesn't really matter at this point right and i'm glad they're not trying to do that it's <clears> just that'd <throat> be a too, waste yeah. of time me too. So so i know that like we won't we probably won't see number one until the fourth episode I don't think any sooner we, she might, but like little, little pro tip here for people who don't know this, cause they probably don't. But those of us who pay attention to all this stuff, CBS's press photos have episode numbers and their metadata on them. <laughs> so we know that that photo of number one, the two photos that have been released, number one are tagged as episode 204. So I'm betting you, we don't see number one until the fourth episode. Yeah, yeah, that seems likely. And, and Giorgio probably doesn't show up until the next one, the fifth episode, things like that. So gotcha. you don't I, get it all at once. We'll have to, you know, keep watching. Yeah, I do want to mention one bit about the interior of the Enterprise. In the mm-hmm. credits to this, the second season of the show, they've redone parts of it. And one of the schematics that they show is mm-hmm. the 
captain's chair on the Enterprise. Hmm, they do. Oh, interesting. So, I missed that. So whether that whether and that's it looks just very for original fun, series. Yes, it does. Enterprise. It even has like the computer disc slot wow. on the right side. Nice. So either they're just doing that for fun in the in the credits, yeah. or at some point, we, or at some point we're going to see no. that we actually the do chair. see the bridge. My my guess is if we see the bridge, it's that fourteenth episode that they added on, <laughs> and it's for like two seconds at the very end. But we'll see. That's that's getting ahead of ourselves. But that's my guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just grumbling over here. Kayla's over here mumbling, grumbling. I know. I, I mean, I feel the same way. We don't need to see it. We don't need to. And see I think. And I think that's what's going to surprise a lot of people is I don't think they have any expectations. Like they're not, they're not going to show us the Enterprise very much at all. They're yeah. just not. Well, it's that's not, not the focus not, of the show. The show isn't called, like you said, the show is not called Enterprise. It's called Discovery. Right. And, it's a, and it's a and, huge distraction. Yeah, it's a huge Even distraction. Even just right. being there is a huge distraction. But whatever. Right. Right. So, so before we um, sort of close out this episode and talk about what's coming next week, were there any fun little bits that you guys wanted to mention? Maybe some nods. Yeah. Okay, there's a bit where um, the Connolly is talking about some sort of scientific mumbo-jumbo they're doing, yep. and, and Burnham sums it up by saying, like a compass at the North Pole. And he's like, oh, that's yep. a clever metaphor. And it reminded me of that episode of Futurama with the original series cast where they talk about how everything we'll do, everything we'll do on the show will be some complicated scientific business that will sum up with a, a quick metaphor. And then Leela says, like putting too much air in a balloon. And so I thought that was yes, nice yes. and meta and cute without going too far overboard that they mm-hmm. made a little, that they drew attention to that uh, cliche. I also like yeah. that Burnham corrected him and said it's actually a simile. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, she does. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Again, more, more, more obvious telegraphing that that dude ain't long for things. Like, <laughs> he's he's already being a jerk to Burnham. Okay, you know? it's and like, bye. And that level of her correcting him was okay. Needing to murder him was not. No, right, right. Although, I mean, to be fair, he wasn't actually murdered. He was hit no. with a space rock. Uh, you're yes. right. I, I guess I'm referring to the writers instead. Yeah. The writers, yeah. So. We got to see a Saurian. Yeah, yes. that was great. Mis- he Mr. So Sneezy Easy over here. Yeah. yeah. That, by the way, that is still awkward. They re-edited that scenes from, from the first trailer, yeah. and it's a little tighter and a little better. I, it's still awkward. Though. Well, it's cut yeah. into two pieces now, and so when I saw the first part yes. of it, I was like, yes. "Oh, they cut the sneeze! I'm so glad." And and then, and then it came uh, back. Yeah. And there's I'm like, yeah. "What? Don't that's like poop humor." Yeah, and, and you you don't sneeze on people's face. Gross. No, no, of course not. It's, it's, also, in that scene is something else that I thought, just as a quick detour, that I thought was like yeah. nuts, just insane. Is apparently all the turbo lifts are like fucking roller coaster rides inside like a massive open area. Like what? There's yeah, there's not just massively seems incredibly open dangerous. <laughs> and like there's not a massively like open. Why would there be a bunch of open space in the center of the ship? For them to just, you know, wang weave about, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's, that's what it looks like. It, that's, it's that's this huge it open like. space in the middle of Discovery. Yeah, yeah super weird. Uh, obviously, they just thought it looked cool, and that makes no practical sense whatsoever. But there you go. Here's a random thing that I noticed. Um, there's a moment when uh, Burnham suggests. So there's a couple weird things about this. Burnham suggests using the cameras that they use to like yes. inspect the hull to take pictures. Yeah, so I was like, what? So I'm like, what? A, what happened to scanners? A, what happened to their sensors? sensors? 
right? Yeah. And mm. and like, don't they already probably have cameras pointing out the front? Like that. Duh. Yes, of course they. Of course they do. Also, mm-hmm. like, so weird. So that was weird. So I think they do that because clearly the photos are going to come up again later. They're going to need them or something. Like if they don't, then yeah. I don't know what the whole point of that scene was because they never come up again. They never use uh, that. Cool, cool. Cool tech, Kayla. That's why. I don't know. You know, it's well, just like, geez. I, but also, I think they did it did, for did cool. You, you, all have, you all have cameras on your iPhones, right? Well, this is kind of <laughs> like that. But, <laughs> and did you notice that, like, so the cameras, like, pop out the bottom? And did anyone else notice that there was a flash on the cameras? Oh, and, like, I a camera noise. I did not notice that, it was really. A, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and there's flash. Oh, yes, like, yes, what are you yes. illuminating? <laughs> the darkness of space. Come on. <laughs> Like, it's like Kella. It's like it's like super dark in space. You know? It is. Yeah. You should go. <laughs> yeah, you need you like just go watch that little clip flash. of that scene again. It's worth it just to see the little. I might have to. I did not flashes. catch the flash part. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I didn't even hear. I, didn't, I guess I just didn't register that. By the way, that kids, that's not how. <laughs> that's not how imaging of space works. You don't need a flash. Definitely Let's not. Just be clear. Okay. Anyway. In space, nobody can hear you click. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. That's some bad science right there. Um, yeah, but there is sound in space in Star Trek, so whatever. Ah, uh, good point. So, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. I, I loved a very... It's a very small moment when Stamus is talking to Tilly and he, he's told her that he's going to be taking the position at the Vulcan Science Academy. And he talks about that singer that mm-hmm. opera singer yeah. oh sure and he describes how she can sing an entire life in one note yeah and he kind of uses that partially as a justification for wanting to move on and and do new things and i just love that little bit it was a it's a lovely little piece of writing i agree that was really touching actually that was it's like... a nice quiet moment and an episode that was very loud mm. yes. and, and moved fast wow, and well it was just, just and it was but it was very beautifully good. written like it just it was like oh there's like a it's a little bit of poetry to that. It really was a nice moment. I really, really enjoyed that. It stood out to me the first time I watched it. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. That actually, like that, that like got to me a little bit. Kind of hit me in the oh, gut. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I really liked that a lot. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Good job, Ted. Yeah. We also get to see what maybe looked like um, an early version of a uh, Jordy's visor. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yes. That was a nice little moment. Yeah, it almost looked exactly like Jordy's visor, actually. Yeah. But much bulkier. Oh, and then I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I like how his security officer he brings with is a Barzan, which is an alien species we haven't seen since the third season of TNG. Uh, it's this species that has a stable wormhole that the Ferengi get caught behind in the Delta Quadrant, and then we meet them again on Voyager uh, several years later. Uh, so I thought that was nice that they plucked that out but didn't, like draw too much attention to it it was just hey here's something we haven't done for a while and Mm -hmm. the trek movie article was quick to pick it up but at the time of the recording um the memory alpha article had not been updated so so uh that's a win for trek movie hey all right so is there anything else that people want to mention before we talk about what's coming next um i think we're good oh wait did i want to talk about the spock logic thing Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, go for it. Okay, so there's a line, well, we're, we're talking about little continuity bits, where um, Pike is talking about Spock, and he says, Spock knew that logic was the beginning of the picture, not the end. And this is paraphrasing 
something that Spock says to Valeris in the Undiscovered Country, where he says, logic is the beginning of mm -hmm. wisdom, not the end of it. Um, and and mm -hmm. I felt that this was out of place because Spock is a young man who is having some issues here, not the fully self-actualized 60-year-old or however old Spock he is at the end of his journey in Undiscovered Country. Because his saying that to Valeris is like the culmination of his journey we see from in motion mm -hmm. picture where he's doing the colonar mm -hmm. yep. and then yeah. dying and because uh the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and then coming back to life because the needs of the the one outweigh the needs of the many and then like the thing he says about check off in voyage home where he says it's not the logical thing to do to rescue him but it's the human thing to do and then in star trek 5 where he says to cybok um i am I'm not the young outcast boy you left on Vulcan so many years ago. I have found my place, right? So there's this delightful arc through all six movies. And then that's where, like, it uh, uh, resonates and where we see the wisdom mm -hmm. that he have that, that we know will eventually lead to him reuniting the Vulcan and Romulan people. Um, and just having it here is out of place. It's like it's like skipping forward. Yeah, I, I think that's another worry with the Spock arc here is as I think they're trying to basically they really seem to be setting up a, almost like a mini version of that <clears throat> motion picture to like, to like, you know, mm -hmm. sort of one, one through six arc that we see of Spock. They're almost going to have him do that again here. It seems like, right. Yeah. But that's very emotional. Silly, Cause like, like Jared's pointing out, he hasn't, he hasn't learned that yet. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I'm fact, saying that yeah, they're he jumping clearly has not learned it <laughs> by the time you get to the motion picture, because the yeah. decision Spock makes to try to purge his human half shows how much he still has to learn. Right. right. And, and that's why it's such a watershed moment for him when he tells everybody that logic and knowledge are not enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That has so much. It has the weight of the entire franchise behind it. Yes. His whole history. Yeah, well put. He says it. Right. So unfortunately, I really worry that they have this like, hey, hey, member, member TMP. Remember mm -hmm. that? Like in this, in this like arc with Spock. And it's like, no, that's, that's not going to work, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's like yeah. Let's let them. But, let's see what they've got. But I am worried that that's that that's yeah. We'll it does see. seem like that's what they're pointing toward. But yeah. I'm worried about a lot but, of things. But I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I, the opening episode was a good. It did everything it was supposed to do. Agreed. It it really did. Yeah, it did. It and, sucked and it you did back it in. Well. But nice I'm not going to lie to you though. Yeah. I am walking on eggshells around a bunch of things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you do you have yeah. some pointed criticisms that you're keeping to yourself? No, 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 no. Just what we know is coming. I mean, yeah. there's just like you're there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of landmines that they could step on. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. many. Yes, landmines. indeed. But yeah, they did a great job with this episode. Yeah, strong, strong effort. Yeah, it makes me yeah. optimistic and excited and leaves me wanting more. Which is exactly the goal That's of a new, exa new yeah, premiere. Absolutely. Season. Yeah, yep. it's great. Well, speaking of wanting more, we have more to look forward to uh, coming up uh, in the next episode, New Eden, directed by Jonathan mm -hmm. Frakes. Woohoo! Woo so, yep. Uh, Matt, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what to expect? Well, of course, we don't know tons. We know the title. Uh, we know it's directed by Jonathan Frakes because he said so ages ago, in fact. Because he spills the beans and, whenever he can. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, this is one of those things that I had missed initially, but. Uh, it turns out fans who went to that big New York City premiere last week, um, they didn't just get to see the first episode on the big screen. 
they actually got to see the first two. So it was like it was like going to a movie. It was two hours. They actually got to sit there and see episode one and episode two. And so uh, people who had seen it did say a little something about it. And they said, you know, don't worry. Obviously, they can't spill the beans or anything. But they said, you know, people who were kind of worried that maybe there's too much action, you know, like to continue on. Like, don't worry. The action was for the premiere to, you know, set stuff up. And that the second episode feels like a more normal episode where you're going and exploring things and like trying to figure out um, what directly ties into the mystery that was set up in the first one. So don't like, don't, don't worry if you think, you know, don't sweat it. It's not like all slam bang action you know, mm. all season kind of thing. Um, and so for all we, from what we can tell, it's just, it's called new Eden and we have a photo, there was right? A, right. There was a, mm. one of the publicity photos released a couple of weeks ago is of um, Pike and Burnham and, and uh, a few others in a plain, you know, kind of plain clothes, like kind of just native street clothes. Yeah. Um, doing something on a landing party. We don't know what. <clears throat> and also um, from behind the scenes, back in May of 2018, people, you know, people whose job who go around noticing when pe- where people are filming, because of course Toronto's huge for that now. So just like in LA, people notice in Toronto when you go when a production goes and films on location somewhere. And so way back in May, somebody snapped some photos of, uh, tombstones. Like it was like, it was like a, uh, like a small, uh, cemetery out back of like a kind of antiquated, you know, wood slats looking church set basically on location somewhere. So this whole science versus faith thing, I think is about to come, uh, maybe, right to the head next week especially with a name like new eden like new eden (laughs) yes exactly and so that anyway so and and so a few little photos were were of that mostly it's just of some kind of set you know set set up like on site you know out in the real world somewhere where they made we're gonna find out the origin of doc severin (laughs) wait maybe you guys from the way to eden maybe Ah, very nice yeah, maybe. Maybe this is a head now to Eden. <laughs> Sorry, Kayla. What are you trying to say? We keep talking over you. No, that's okay. Um, maybe this is a precursor to Sub Rosa. Ah, <laughs> this is the first oh, stop on man. the Sub Rosa subway. Yeah, Sub Rosa subway. Because that you know that uh, the prequel you've all been waiting that you've for. All been for. So because that that ghost has been inhabiting Beverly's family for generations. That's right. That's so right. So if we meet True. someone, if we meet a lady with the last name Howard, we know what's going mm-hmm. on. There's trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, they should just put someone in there. Like even if that's not the the story was about that, it'd be so funny if like we like some woman one named the, Howard was just there. Hey, named if, Howard. if they're gonna yeah. reference as mediocre an episode as the price, they can reference Sub Rosa. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Get on the Sub Rosa subway. Sub Rosa subway, baby. <laughs> the other thing they could tie it into is the actor who plays Adam in Way to Eden also played like the evil army colonel, or not evil, but just kind of bully ar- uh, mm-hmm. army colonel, colonel in um, uh, uh, Little Green Men. On... Yep, Charles Nathan. Exactly, oh, exactly. I didn't catch that. Yeah, so they they could throw in some kind of reference to that too. Yeah, we mentioned that in the episode that we did. We, yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah, we mentioned it then. Oh, I must have yeah. just totally forgotten that you said that. There you go. Yep. So the the photo here's how very overtly sort of religious uh, <laughs> this is going to be. They, one of the leaked photos from the set 
is a photo of a plaque, you know, all wooden plaques. So it's supposed to be kind of backwards, right? It's supposed to be kind of like they decided maybe to not, you know, use technology or whatever. And it's because it says New Eden, and it says the Shrine of Our Redemption, glory to the first saved. Interesting. So, I mean, I mean, that's cool. pretty like, <clears throat> that's pretty out there. Like, that's yeah. pretty mm-hmm. like, obviously going to be some kind of somewhat religious like overtones <laughs> yeah. indeed so, well just so the, it's, the mere word eden sort of yeah, tells yeah. You well and then where this is you going. know the red angel so i mean come on this is mm-hmm. probably people who saw the red angel and have decided to follow it mm-hmm. or whatever. Ooh, that, you may be onto something there, that's Matt. my guess that's my guess yeah that's a good that's a good guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> we shall see next week well, directed yep. by the one and only jonathan franks Yep. And also, just to sort of manage expectations for our friends who are listening, I don't think all four of us will necessarily be able to join every week. But no, um, that is correct. Uh, we we might have some new voices available. join us at some point too, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll come to love them as much as you do us. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're not going to try to do all four every week. It, no, because we have to turn these around weekly to talk yeah. about it with everyone. And yeah. Right, and and the more voices that we have on all the time, the longer the pods are and stuff yeah. like that. So. Yeah. But yet, weekly, we will turn these around with some group of us every week until April when it's done. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a sprint. It is. This is going to go is. quickly, really. Yeah, three months. Yeah, it goes fast. Yeah, it, does. it goes very fast. I'm surprised they don't spread it out longer, to be honest. Oh, they, well, we waited so long for the season, they're not going to do that mm. to, to yeah. us, thankfully. And then if they break it up, what are they going to do? Wait till like take a break over the summer or something? Like I don't know when they would have, when they would break. Really, well, I don't. Know. They could yeah. like skip a week or I don't know. No, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh yeah. yeah, no, no. As far as we know, no, they are not intending to do yeah. that. No, yeah, straight through full straight fourteen through. episodes. Yeah, big one four. All right. Well, mm-hmm. um, until then, I guess we will see you guys here again next week. All right. Thanks for tuning into the Shuttle Pod. We're excited to talk to you again next week when we watch New Eden, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Head now to Eden. Yeah. Yeah.